each one of those reactions that your body has to the fear event, each one of those things really interferes with the clever part of our brain. So once we are activated and in that system, we can't really think very clearly. We can't really make decisions very well. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there, welcome to season three of Wisdom for Wellbeing. I am delighted to be with you here today. It's the first episode of 2021. And of course, we know it has been a challenging year leading up to this point, and that this year has had its own difficulties. You know, we're all in this together as we go forward in unsettled times. So I very much hope that this season will continue to provide you with resources, information to support your well-being through these unusual times and to move you forward to a place of thriving. So not just getting by day to day, but to a place where you're experiencing joy and delight daily in your life. In terms of how this season is structured, I just wanted to take a few moments before we jump in to give you a little bit of an overview because there's been a couple of changes. The context, the background is that I am actually pregnant, which is quite exciting. I'm due at the end of March. So this means that in the lead up to that period and in the months sort of following that period where I might be somewhat sleep deprived and, you know, I guess less reliable in terms of regularly showing up, we're going to be doing fortnightly episodes. So this season will all be based on a fortnightly release schedule. This won't change anything in terms of how the episodes themselves are actually structured. We are planning the season well in advance and I've got some support to make sure that everything is released smoothly and that you can expect to see the now fortnightly content coming into your earbuds. I will of course be doing my best to still connect and to show up on social media, so at Dr. Caitlin on Instagram and on Facebook, as well as at Wisdom for Wellbeing Pod on Facebook, where you can specifically keep up with what is going on with the podcast itself. So please feel free to reach out, connect, and just bear with me a little bit in that sort of month of April when I will undoubtedly be going slower and responding to things when I may be up at 3 a.m. Who knows? But in terms of where we were at today, we have a really exciting guest to start off the season. So I am joined today by Dr. Amy Silver. And this conversation is hugely important because so many of us operate in a workplace. You know, we might be working with teams, we might be working in a context where we are looking to move forward to excel. And even when our day-to-day experience might be around the home or in different projects that we are orchestrating, all of the lessons, learnings, and principles that Amy shares are hugely relevant. We are actually talking about an emotion that we all know incredibly well fear. 
So today we are going to be talking through fear and Dr. Amy has released a new book called The Loudest Guest, How to Control, Fe- Control Your Fear. So this is being released, oh my goodness, so soon on January 28th. So if you head to Amy's website, you can actually score a few free bonuses around this book and take her quiz around how you experience fear. So it's dramysilver.com. Amy is a psychologist, speaker, and author on the management of our emotions for high performance and well-being. She is particularly dedicated to supporting workplace thriving and effective teaming. With more effective management of our emotions, we can be more courageous in our behaviors and our communication. This makes it possible to drive remarkable teaming behaviors at work. When we control our feelings, they can't control us. This means we can stand up, speak up, control our anger and anxiety, change, seek diversity, innovate, and show up as our best selves for the best of our collective outcomes. So she specifically works with teams to increase performance through psychological safety, trust, and courageous conversations. As I mentioned, she is an author of a number of books, including Conversations Create Growth for Managers, Brace for Impact, and our specific conversation today, as I already said, The Loudest Guest, How to Control Your Fear. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Amy Silver, and we'll dive into this conversation now. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. I am delighted to be with you here today. So beautiful to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And Amy, I'm so excited to hear more about, you know, your new book, The Loudest Guest, which is all around fear, this very common human experience we all have. But before we dive into that, would you mind just giving listeners a little bit of an overview of who you are and the wonderful work that you're doing? Well, what I do is I help people with their emotions so that their performance can be better at work. And some of that is individual. So we run a um, a space called the Courage Club, which is for individuals to outgrow their fears. And then we also work with teams and whole cultures to encourage people to step into more courageous communication and um, really deepen their relationships so that we can do more work together better. It's interesting that you use the word courageous communication because it highlights that, you know, sometimes having this dialogue requires courage. And and I guess we know courage is something that that shows up when we might be experiencing fear. Yeah, that's right. So I think what happens at work, because we're human, as you say, um, a lot of the time fear shows up and we don't really know what to do with it. And it kind of interferes with uh, a whole lot of things but primarily in a work context it uh, interferes with our communication we we pull back we don't speak up we don't show up as the best version of ourselves we minimize our contribution because we're worried about um, potentially failing or we're worried about um, potentially shining um, or we're worried about offending someone or we're worried about Um, getting in somebody else's way or upsetting someone and all these things 
um, lead to just complications that mean that although we may be having conversations at the surface, um, underneath it's sort of there's stuff that is unsaid and that unsaid stuff gets in our way and limits our potential to to use each other and build on each other and ultimately affects our engagement with our work and our productivity our efficiency and it just sort of uh, it's just that horrible feeling where you know that there's more to this uh, conversation than is being said and there's offline conversations you know you have a meeting and then there's a meeting about the meeting that you've had and with a subset of the people and you know there's all, all those kind of inefficiencies that happen I think when we don't I guess master our fear and get into a position where we can say what we think and work is obviously such an important area for you know all of us like it's where we spend a huge a huge portion of our lives and an area where a lot of us derive a sense of identity and meaningfulness contribution so i can see that this would be you know really difficult area if we were struggling in that sense of being able to communicate and articulate and, and manage that experience of fear yeah and i think as you say it often work is really attached to our identity or our values and um you, you see in in a work context in a group you you sometimes see conflict you know and obviously conflict is the the fight part of fear you know people feeling that they are under threat in some way or that they've been challenged their identity has been challenged or their sense of value has been challenged so there's a sort of an arcing up of protection you know that can happen so that it's easy to see when there's conflict what's well, easy for me to see I think when there's conflict that that really underneath that is a bit of fear uh, and it's normally attached to identity and ownership people feeling that they own stuff um, but you also get this um, in, impact at work where there's a com there's a sort of um, it's not necessarily complacency but there's a lot of politeness at work where actually everybody looks like on the surface, everybody's really good friends and the conversation is very um, yeah, polite and civil. But again, underneath there's this running sort of, well, we need to get the energy of those more robust conversations into the workplace to help us move forward with tricky things or with, you know, like the craziness of 2020, you know, the, these just these crazy uh, growth periods that require a slightly different way of speaking to each other that if we're stuck in that really polite um, communication, it's quite difficult to, to master the collective intelligence of a group. I really like that you've used the word master, you know, that there's this real mastery that comes with this practice. And when you were describing conflict as this fight part of fear, would, would it be worth us maybe just taking a moment to really define what fear is and, and how does it look and show up for us? Yeah. Okay. So um, look, I think you said it at the beginning is that fear is a really normal um, part of being human and our whole um, being, our whole um, life is, is built on uh, a th our brain, which is essentially a threat seeking mechanism that we, uh, we're programmed to survive. And in order to survive, we have to really understand where we're putting ourselves in risk so there's a really finely tuned biochemical system 
that operates in our in our mind in our brains um, that's looking for risk and whenever we get close to that risk our fear system sets off this warning and says look out you're about to get rejected from the tribe you're about to get um, put yourself in physical danger you're about to get hurt you're about to make yourself vulnerable and so thank goodness for fear you know thank goodness that we have it because it's it's absolutely essential to our our existence and our survival the main mechanism that it kind of pushes us towards is fight flight or freeze so the fight is uh, moving into a defensive position. And you can see this in the, in the animal world really clearly, uh, but you can see it in the human world too. It doesn't take much, but it's sort of, we, we, we need to see it within this context, but people fight um, or we move into uh, flight, which is running away or avoidance or um, in a conversational context or in a bravery context, it's just avoiding pushing ourselves into situations that we don't know how to handle or situations where we might fail or situations where we might get exposed we we really just avoid them and we just don't put our hands up for that so fight flight and then freeze which again you see really often in the animal world but that's a deer in the headlights sort of just absolutely stuck in that place where nothing is really working now in whether we whether your natural habit is to fight or flight or freeze each one of those uh, triggers or each one of those reactions that your body has to the flight, to the, uh, to the fear event, um, each one of those things really interferes with the clever part of our brain. So once we are activated and in that system, we can't really think very clearly. We can't really make decisions very well. We will be acting in response to that trigger and not to whatever serves us best and so that piece of trying to master our fear is really trying to get in there at that point where we freeze or we're running away or we're fighting um, and engaging that clever part of our brain enough to say hey you're okay you're not about to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger you're you're here you're safe and let's re-engage that clever part of our brain so that the next move that you make is one that serves you or serves others best. Okay, so re-engaging that clever part of our brain, how, how do we do that? And, and what's kind of, I guess, the, the strategy around this? So um, in the book, I talk about there being six important stages for us and it's a cycle and it's one that i think if we're lucky we keep pushing forward on my fundamental belief is that fear can be incredibly helpful to us as a guide of where we need to head for growth so anytime that we're not feeling fearful for a consistent amount of time my challenge to you would be well potentially you're in avoidance or you've stopped moving forward towards growth. So my wish for you and and what I talk about in the book is that we change our relationship with fear so that when fear comes up, we don't back off or we don't fight, but we actually kind of go, oh, if I'm fearful, I'm heading towards something that's a stretch. I'm heading towards something that potentially I could call a goal 
And so therefore, this is a lifelong mission to move into a position of managing our fear. And so the six stages that I talk through are a cycle because I feel like as soon as we've mastered one fear, we should be <laughs> aiming another. for another one. <laughs> and, um, and each time we do so, we, we push ourselves towards the best version of ourselves. And I, I fundamentally believe that. I know that it's, it's easy to see the opposite where we pull back so much, we, we just stop growing. And, and I think that stagnation piece can happen for us without us even acknowledging it. And then suddenly we turn around and, um, and life's busy, but we haven't actually pushed forward with those fears that may be providing a bit of a barrier between where we are now and where we could be. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting point that it's going to be this ongoing relationship. And if we can find a way to work through these stages in a safe way again and again, that we're actually moving towards, you know, a, a wonderful version of ourselves, growth version and excelling and continually unfolding rather than, as you said, being stuck or complacent or perhaps in a state of avoidance of what could be and who we could become. That's right. Um, it's, uh, it's an incredible, incredibly humbling process to go through to realize that you've passed a fear that when you look back, it's kind of been defining your life a bit. You know, it's been sort of putting a limit on, on who you thought you could be um, or who others thought you could be. And, and yeah, I find that I found that an incredible process. You know, you don't really understand how much of fear has held you back until you've got to the other side of it. And even then you kind of go, well, what was the big deal? You know, why did I let that happen? You know, it's a, it's a funny game. And the joy of hindsight. And that, that's such an interesting point. So fear can really limit our life options and kind of what's available to us. Would you be able to share a few of the consequences of fear before we kind of look at what those stages might be to move through? Yeah, I, look, I think the easiest way for me to do it is to, you know, process my own fears and, and really sort of understand, again, that at some points in my life, they've held me back. Um, and the, the decision to move forward with a goal, rather than responding to the fear that I feel um, has led to you know, real opportunities in, in the book. I talk about how I play soccer. I play um, uh, soccer at the, uh, the during the week and at the weekends. And when I first joined the club, I was just full of fears, you know, fears that were physical. I was really worried about my physical safety um, and fears of even, you know, wearing the outfit, the soccer outfit, you know, what would I look like? What would people think? And I'm too unfit and this is, you know, going to end really badly. People are going to laugh at me and, you know, what am I thinking? And also the fears of, you know, well, how can I possibly, um, who do I think I am that I can uh, be out in the evening or during the weekend when I've got all these other responsibilities, you know, the fears are endless. Um, and a year on, I, I play soccer still and I can't say that I've moved through all the fears. Like I, definitely still have fears of physical injury um, and I have fears of letting my teammates down and all sorts of fears that still come 
but I see the rewards and the rewards are just incredible. I'm still a really bad player, but you know, my kids <laughs> watch me, my kids watch me play and they get this um, experience of seeing me trying and they get this experience of me working collectively with a group of other people who I've now become really good friends with. I got an award from the coach, which was pretty much a, um, well done for trying award but nevertheless <laughs> it's possibly one of my favorite awards I've ever won and uh, it's sort of a symbol to me of my um, tenacity against fear so I don't think that I've um, gained in terms of my you know um, capabilities as a soccer player but I've gained so much and I'm fearless in a way that I wasn't before and just that constant knowledge that I am somebody who can push against my fear. I don't want to be somebody who feels fear and pulls back. Now, that's that's one example. And there, then there are other examples where I haven't moved on at all. I also talk about the fact that my first clinical patient was a spider phobic. And that was a really relatively simple fear that was I was able to sort of help that person with but my fear with of spiders is really quite extreme like I saw a spider in the house the other day and I just literally called out somebody else in the family and just said I'm leaving the house but there's a spider in the corner of the room and call me when it's gone so <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't profess to be fearless at all and I don't think that it's a good idea for any of us to strive towards being fearless but growing the muscle of courage um, and recognizing where it may be limiting you, but also continuously, um, you know, holding yourself accountable to pushing forward. And, you know, who knows? So there's an incredible fable that says um, on your, when you die, you might go to um, hell. And the definition of hell is, where you meet the person that you could have been given your potential. Wow. That's incredibly <laughs> powerful. And it shakes one a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a really profound uh, thing. You think, well, who am I to, to hold myself back because of a feeling that I have? And is it not my um, duty to, to push against that, to see what's possible for me? So what are just a brief overview of the six stages that we might work through to kind of like push against that and to move through and to see who we might become? So the very first stage is recognition. And this is really about being able to understand your current relationship with fear. Um, on my website, if anybody's interested, there's a quick questionnaire that you can take that that asks you some questions that are really designed to see, do you understand physically what happens, behaviorally what happens? Uh, do you understand what triggers this? Do you understand the implications? Do you understand the, the habits of your behavior? Because some of these behaviors are really micro. They're just a moment where you may look down or you, um, you, know, you, you sort of put a hand up to stop someone else talking because it's almost like a threatening situation. And these micro movements, you can just become more and more aware of how you respond, but also the implications of how you respond. 
Um, but you may also have the macro things in there as well in terms of your behaviors, like you avoid certain people or certain situations, or you avoid um, particular conversations, uh, you avoid disclosing your feelings too much, you, you avoid particular um, closeness or intimacy. And so there's a whole range of behaviors that I think that we could just understand a little bit more so that we understand how much of a hold has fear got because we want fear. It's a great thing to have, but if it's controlling us, uh, that's not a great thing. So we want to be in control, not our feelings. So and just for listeners, sorry, Amy, your yeah. website is dramysilver.com and it will be in the show notes listeners. So don't feel like you have to jot it down or remember that it's there. Just check the show notes after. Thank you. Um, so that, that's recognition, which is the first stage. The second, which is my favorite, and if anybody's trying to um, focus on one thing, this is the thing that I would really stress is the, the most important thing, Just not just for our management of fear, but for really excelling in terms of your potential. The first stage was recognition. The second stage is self-compassion. And I know that you are um, quite big into this as well. <laughs> so I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of other information on your, on your website about this. But um, self-compassion for me um, is twofold with, um, with our emotions, in particular with fear. Uh, one is about having self-compassion for ourselves when we, when we have the emotion of fear. So remembering that fear is a really natural response. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, and so we don't need to layer on any other emotions like shame or guilt or um, self-criticism. Uh, if we remember that, you know, that there is a real function of fear, that can really help us stay in a positive state, even though we are being triggered by fear. When we start going into shame, we try and hide it or we try and pretend that we're not in fear. And, and all of that actually just complicates the movement through fear. So self-compassion towards your fear, but also towards yourself and understanding that when you are in a state of fear, that really what, what we need to do to calm ourselves down is to self-parent and sort of talk to ourselves as if we are quite um, basic. Um, we've been triggered and we need to be calmed down. So really starting to recognize, okay, well, your breathing is, is all out. Your um, tunnel vision is on. You are feeling a little bit um, airy, you know, and, and sort of distracted and your focus is off. So how do I help me calm myself down? And in the moment, there's a whole heap of grounding techniques that we can use to really bring ourselves back into our body, bring ourselves back into the moment, bring ourselves back into now and try and reset some of that chemical imbalance that's just been triggered because that's all it is. It's, it's a chemical imbalance. And uh, we want to just try to, with self-compassion, talk ourselves through that. And there are heaps of grounding techniques that I talk about in the book. The third stage is separation. And here what I'm really referring to is separating our sense of feeling, our feelings of, of fear and what our fear voice wants us to do from what we want to do. 
So I called the book The Loudest Guest because for me and for many other people I know, fear is the loudest guest. It's sort of in our heads a lot and it's got this internal narrative that's quite distracting and pulls us off course. Um, And it's almost like we've got all these guests at a party and um and 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 fear is sort of shouting quite loudly in our ear saying you know turn the music up don't turn the music up sit there don't talk to that person do all this and really trying to take control of the party and the important piece here is that we remember that we are the host not any of our guests we are the person having the emotion we are not the emotion itself and if we can practice this separation piece We move into a place where we can say, ah, there's fear again. There's fear being triggered. Thank you, because we're coming at it with self-compassion. Thank you. And you're not going to help me actually right now, because right now I want to move over here. And if I listen to everything that you're telling me, I'm going to back right off. I'm going to move away from my goal. And you may keep me safe in the short term, but in the long term, I'm going to miss out. So being able to understand that we are not our feelings and and really moving into a a stage of separation. That's a really beautiful analogy. And what an empowering way to look at it, that we are having this experience, this feeling, this chemical imbalance, that that's not us. (laughs) Yeah. It's a uh, Michael Singer. I don't know if you know him, but he, he talks a lot about this idea of, um, being separate from our experience and, it's a kind of a weird thing to get your head around. Don't you think it's sort of, it's weird to imagine that we are the ones having our feelings. We are the ones having our thoughts, but it's a good sort of, even in the moment reminder that we don't have to do what our thoughts tell us to do. We don't have to do what our feelings are telling us. We can move our attention around and we can learn how to do that. We can, and that's into the fourth stage, which is when we evaluate what is this fear guest saying to us? What is it, what is it really trying to get me to do? And what's the message underneath? Because very often there's a really great message, you know, it's about risk or it's about um, not letting someone down or it's about, you know, staying close to your values. So heaps of really good things in there. Uh, we just don't want the drama and we don't want it to be so loud that we don't have a space to evaluate. So evaluating it from that more separate place is, is an easier way forward towards our goals if we're kind of going, yeah, I get the message. Uh, I've got that. But now why don't I have a conversation with one of my other guests at the party? How about bringing joy forward or excitement or gratitude or Um, one of my other beautiful emotions and really focus on what would they say about this situation rather than always or not always, but in that moment, just tuning into that loudest guest. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that you could redirect attention and and like you would do at a party. This analogy, I think, is going to be really helpful for listeners, for all of us to kind of go, okay, that can be one voice in my ear and I might choose to take a few steps away and listen into joy. Yeah, and it's not necessarily that joy is right and fear is wrong or fear is right and joy is wrong. This is actually just about you building this muscle of turning towards fear, turning away from it, 
and really uh, controlling what you want to listen to. Because you may listen to this and it may say, you know, uh, fear might say, look, crossing the road with your eyes shut is a really silly thing to do. And you might evaluate that and kind of go, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I'm not going to do it. It's a good, good time to listen. But it may also be saying, you know, if you um, if you put your hand up for that, people are going to be judging you and saying, well, who, do, who the hell do you think you are opting for that? And I want to make sure that I'm just assessing that and kind of going, is that fair what you're saying? Is it is it right? Is it um, helpful? And I just want to move into that evaluation stage so that I can move to the next uh, point on the cycle, which is to decide. I want to get to a decision that I am choosing not fear so I want to choose and and for that we really need to understand where we're trying to head here um, what the expectations are that we have of ourselves what's going to serve me how do I um, bring out the best of me or someone else how do I bring out the best of them but we're moving towards a stage of decision where I am deciding what the next move is rather than fear I love, um, I'm a real, um, not so closet actually, but I'm a massive Frozen fan. (laughs) (laughs) If we could sub in Frozen music right now, I'm sure listeners would appreciate it. I just don't know if we have the copyright. (laughs) Um, And in Frozen 2, there's a song called Just Do the Next Right Thing. And I think, you know, that's that's the spirit that we want to move into is, okay, I I just need to do the next right thing. And that might be that you just try to do something that's different from what your fear voice is telling you. And it doesn't mean that you have to kind of find out what the full potential of you is or that massive goal or that massive decision that's going to change your life. But what's the next right thing to do that would be safe enough for you to uh, tolerate you know, it's not going to really hurt working against your fear, but it's pushing a little bit. It's just pushing a little bit. Um, and that's the final stage is experimentation. Just how do I set myself up with some graded ways to keep pushing against my fear, keep moving towards my goals and keep trying to gain control over my fear so that fear is merely commentating in the background. It's not controlling me. That's a really interesting point that it's kind of moving to the background and <laughs> really like the, the reminder, just do the next right thing, you know, to decide what that is and, and how you take a step forward. And lots of listeners will have probably heard in previous episodes around, you know, values directed action, which is um, something stemming from acceptance and commitment therapy, which I know you're incredibly familiar with as well, Amy. So there's something really beautiful about having that awareness of what the next right thing is for us and where we kind of sit in terms of what's important for us and what's meaningful. Yeah. And I think that's why it's a a cycle because we have to come back up to the recognition piece again and kind of go, well, if I have been able to just inch forward with that particular fear, what do I need to reassess about what my goals could be? Because, and this is a really interesting thing that happens for us. And um, maybe you can relate to this as well, but you know, you, you have a fear and then you do it and then you think, well, what was so big about that? It obviously wasn't such a big fear anyway. And we sort of minimize the fact that we've gone through this whole process of, of managing to overcome our fear. So 
it's sort of moving to a place where we can feel pride for having achieved um, uh, overcoming our fear, uh, but also aware and recognizing how, well, this opens me up again to sort of think, well, what else? What else could I do? You know, and, and that recognition piece of going, what do I want? And in all sorts of areas. And again, in, um, in the book, I talk about a number of different areas of our lives because, you know, there are areas of my life that I am, other people would kind of go, wow, you're so courageous. And other parts of my life that they would go, you know, why aren't you pushing against that one? And I'm <laughs> like, oh, no, spider. Um, jumping out of planes, things like that are not my, not my thing at all. And I question, you know, I wonder what would happen if I did push forward in that area, you know, would I then open up new horizons of things? Cause it's really interesting. You start to kind of initially you kind of go, well, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to jump out of a plane. I don't have any desire. That's not a goal. And then you start kind of going really, or is that, my fear just being really loud you know and does it prevent me from choosing more adventurous holidays because you know it's it, it's not a it's not up there on part of my decision making on holidays but does it mean that I'm preventing myself in some way so I think as soon as we um, acknowledge that we have fears and as soon as we put it on our agenda to move past them we are constantly open to new experiences that we could be having it's this awareness to be able to notice. So is that sort of the sixth step? Does the sixth step go back to recognition being the first step again? Or is the sixth step more around like pride and kind of like holding that experience? Or yeah. how does that work? No, six, yeah, no, the sixth step is the experimentation. So we've got recognition at the beginning, self-compassion, separation, evaluation, decision and experimentation. And then straight back up to recognition again. With that, would you mind just like, as we start to wrap up, maybe give the listeners a couple of tips or tricks to kind of move forward in this cycle and in this process, where, where could they be on the lookout? Is it a matter of kind of taking an inventory of where different fears might be cropping up in our lives? You know, I know you specifically focus on supporting people in work, this important important area in our lives is there something we could look at there yeah look I think it comes down to self-awareness um, that first stage of recognition really is uh, making a decision to to look at this and move from an automatic response to fear to a uh, choice-based reaction so we actually move into a, a, a place of, of choosing choosing our response to to fear and so that self uh, awareness piece i think the biggest piece of advice that i could give is to start writing and to start spending time with yourself and in particular how fear is being um experienced for you what's your relationship with like like with fear so again there are heaps of questions in the book that talk us through um some prompts about that but in in the very basic format if we spend time with ourselves and we write it down so we move it you know because fear turns up as worry about the future or the past it also turns up as doubt 
you know, self-doubt or even doubt in other people, which makes it difficult to trust them. Um, but it can also be the panic, you know, that panic like I have with the spiders. But it's really uh, getting a better understanding of how it shows up for you, maybe giving it a language because we know that once we name something, we can tame it. Dan Siegel taught us that. So, um, you know, really understanding our experience of fear and getting close to that and and yeah i think that first decision to to do that puts you straight on the cycle that's beautiful and and that's something you know we can all probably take away grab a pen paper or you know note section in your phone and and take the time to reflect and notice how fear is showing up in your life in our lives so that we can decide then what might be the way to move forward if we start to become intimate with it if we name it to tame it and kind of look at the guests that are showing up at our party and their behavior we can decide what might be the most appropriate move to create this next version of ourselves and to have these courageous conversations and also, I think, I mean, first of all, you know, take, take the test on the, on the website because it does just encourage you to think about the different ways that it may be um, showing up for you. And, and if you are feeling quite courageous, then something else that's suggested in one of the later stages is to ask someone else, you know, where do you see fear getting in my way? Where do you see uh, me being if I had more courage? How do you see me um, acting if I had more courage? Can you see that your life would be better if I had more courage? So asking people questions that really, again, just as an investigator, grow that self-awareness piece through asking, you know, courageous questions of people. Amy, thank you so much. And listeners, please head to dramysilver.com. Do the questionnaire so that you can get a sense for the micro and macro ways that fear might be showing up in your lives. Grab a copy of The Loudest Guest. And it is released at the end of January. So just sort of as this podcast is going to be coming to air, which is brilliant timing. So you should be able to jump on board. And you actually have a free gift if you order a copy of The Loudest Gift, don't you? I do. If you order um, it uh, before it's released in the shops. Um, So you might have to be quick. Um, and buy it through my website, then I'll send you a complimentary workbook that just, it it just has all the questions in it in a, in a more sort of usable format. So that's perfect. And that's a great place probably as well to start doing some of our journaling. And of course, head on over to social media at dramysilver.com and I'll have links to all of her social media and website in the show notes so that you can connect with her there. Right. And join us at the Courage Club, which is um, what we, well, the tagline for it is where we outgrow our fears. So if you're interested in, in doing that, it's a really powerful community. Everybody working on their own fears in non-judgment. So um, to join us there. And a wonderful spot to be able to be vulnerable and to be courageous, I'm sure, <laughs> hand in hand. Have a wonderful afternoon, Amy. And thank you again for joining us here on Wisdom for Wellbeing. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that episode with Dr. Amy Silver as much as I did. 
her capacity to inspire high performance and to really talk us through this experience of fear, I think is incredible. So make sure you do head on over to dramysilver.com where you can take her quiz and also check out her book, The Loudest Guest. It's a brilliant opportunity to grab the special offer if you place your order before the 27th of January. And of course, check out all the other resources that she has available in regards to moving forward and creating effective teams, thriving in your workplace and your life, and taking care of yourself on this journey of being human. I wish you all well, and I am looking forward to dropping back into your earbuds in one fortnight, so I'll have to get used to saying that at the end of the episodes rather than next week. But yes, very much looking forward to connecting soon, and head on over to at Dr. Caitlin on Instagram or Facebook or at Wisdom for Wellbeing Pod on Facebook to keep in the loop. Alrighty, bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.